0: Hey, hi, hello, and thank you for listening. We are so excited that you are hanging out with us today on Troped Out, where we get book nerdy with your favorite and future favorite authors. I am thriller and fantasy author Emma C. Wells. Over there is speculative fiction author E.J. Winstrom, and today we are chatting with middle-grade mystery and adventure writer Tom Phillips. Hello. Tom Phillips, a logophile and amateur cryptographer, is honored to debut his first middle-grade series. An artist, optimist, writer, philosopher, and retired superhero, Tom mischievously brings the power of the written word by assimilating everyday lessons into witty and humorous stories of heroism and bravery. Interesting puzzles and zany characters are his forte, and slang and colloquialisms fascinate him. An investigator and Sherlockian, Tom is an obsessive watcher of crime dramas. Tom also worked as the video editor for the acclaimed LeVar Burton Kids. Sometimes you can find him walking his dog, Dr. Watson. Tom, Welcome! To troped out.
1: Thanks. That was a good (laughs) that was a good intro. I appreciate it. it. Appreciate y'all having
0: I wrote it myself, just for you, for the show.
1: Yeah, it it was amazing. I'm gonna use it. I didn't
0: steal it from your website at all.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna use it on my website now (laughs) and I'm gonna give you credit for it.
0: You should do that. Um, so I have to say, like just jumping right in here, because this is like, I think the coolest thing in a long time. And anybody that follows me on Twitter has probably seen me retweet this a hundred times, but Of all the blurbs for all the books, the one you received on your debut, The Curious League of Detectives and Thieves, I have to say it is my favorite in a long time. And for those of you listening that are unfamiliar, a blurb is when like an author or a reader, a reviewer, a celebrity, like whoever reads an early copy of the book and gives an author like a good little snippet, a good little soundbite, little blurb that they can put on the cover. And the blurb on Tom's book was, the Curious League of Detectives and Thieves is a great ride, but you don't have to take my word for it. And if you are a millennial, you know who blurbed this just from hearing those lines. You don't have to take my word for it, and that is LeVar Burton. I mean, talk about nostalgia, right? So good.
1: Yeah, well, he's he's uh, he's like a personal hero of mine. So when I was seven, this is a long story, I was seven years old, and he was on Star Trek and doing reading Rainbow, and he came up to our little mountain town, with his uh, now wife Stephanie, um, they were they were just dating at the time, and rented a boat at my parents' marina. And my dad was like, this is LeVar Burton. He's in Star Trek. And my sister was like, I don't like Star Trek. I like Star Wars and walked away. And I was like, you're the guy from Reading Rainbow. <laughs> so forever for my life, Lavar and his wife were friends of my parents' friends and they brought him up. And for my entire life, my mom would be like, just call Lavar and see if he'll give you a job. Call LeVar. He'll give you a job. And I was like, Mom, that's not how this works. <laughs> so eventually I moved to California and uh, LeVar and his team had rebooted um, Reading Rainbow with Skybrary. They did a Kickstarter, like $6 million. It was a huge deal. And they needed a editor and they hired me. And I called my mom. I said, hey, I'm working for LeVar Burton. She said, I told you to call him. I was like, yes, because that's how that works. <laughs> you gotta listen to your mother. <laughs> uh, so I worked for him for about two years. And um, I have to say that LeVar Burton is exactly who you see. Like a lot of celebrities, when you when you see them interview, they put a, a good mask on. But Lavar is just, he's such an amazing man that uh, he like he's inspired me my entire life and uh, when I finally got my book published I reached out to him and his team and he was totally gracious enough to read my book and then give me a blurb and he didn't have to and he's super busy right now and that just shows how great of a person he is because
0: he seems very you know, genuine like when you see him yeah. in interviews and things like he's always the same I think doesn't he have a podcast where he like reads and you just yeah hear LeVar read? Burton
1: reads and if you haven't Gotten into it, and you're a book person, then I'm just sad for you because <laughs> it's so good, and he's so good, he's he's amazing. I'm gonna put that I have in no bad things notes. to say about lamar
0: Well, I have yeah. to tell you, like when I hear that, well, when I read that blurb, I mean, I hear it in my voice in his head first of all because it was like Lavar Burton every day after school. It was reading Rainbow and then Bill and I, the Science Guy, like boom, every day. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, on PBS. <laughs> And it just brings me back to like scholastic book fairs and personal pan pizzas for making your reading goals like that whole era. Yeah,
1: Book it, man. Yeah, they should do book it again.
0: Yeah, that you know, they should because that's the thing. It's really interesting because we are all three from very different parts of the country, like spread out. And that is a common experience. And it's centered around books. You know, that's like what's really cool about it
1: um yeah he is phenomenal I think they should bring book it back I think they should do book it for kids with pizzas and they should do book it at like a BevMo for adults <laughs> and we should get bottled wine for how many mm. books we read
0: you know bottled wine yeah. is great I I'm mean for pizza. honestly I do the pizza <laughs> <laughs> or the wine? <laughs> like, no, I pizza yeah, yeah. God, I miss pizza hut man setting <sighs> inside the pizza hut with the old dusty like chandeliers in the video games it's yeah, like, like old
1: man. Mario choice 10 yeah Oh, uh, when, back in the day when things were simple, because <laughs> we were all children.
0: So you watched, <laughs> no. you were a fan of Reading Rainbow then as a kid. You watched I was, of it. I was.
1: In fact, I feel like most of my curiosity of the world as a child came from Reading Rainbow, because he would, like, pick books, and then he would go places, like, how is a crayon made, or, you yeah. know, like, how,
2: mm-hmm. like,
1: just different, different things. And I, I was obsessed with it, I just, as a child. And I, I grew up in a mountain with about there were 13 kids in my graduate or my um elementary school class and then my graduating class was 98 kids after all the towns came together so for me i lived in like the mountains of colorado there wasn't a whole lot of culture if you will outside of like the beauty of nature and, and things so you know reading was always kind of a really cool escape because yeah yeah i never got to go you know, we would drive down the mountain, and go to Denver to like pick up supplies and stuff, and my parents would take us through McDonald's, and we just thought we were like the coolest kids ever. That's like, awesome. Because we didn't have one, so when we got a Happy Meal, it was like so cool. So yeah, so I I, I credit Levar for all the good parts of my uh, of my life. I am all
0: in my childhood in this conversation because like you're talking about this, and I'm thinking about like McDonald's with those. Do you remember what was the dinosaur cartoon? It was really big uh, with the Great Valley. No, oh, what? you're talking about Land Before Time. Yeah, and they had like, oh, Land Before land Time, before time oh, puppets at the, uh, yeah. do y'all remember that? Or is that just like yeah. a weird thing that I was the playing? No, puppets I don't remember. It was like puppets. You could get uh, Spike? You could
1: get them all. Spy? Littlefoot yeah. and Spike. And Wait, who Petri? was I? Petrie. <laughs> that
0: sounds yep,
2: amazing. Yep. Ducky. Yeah. yeah. They were oh, all ducky. there. Ducky.
1: And then Sarah was the last one, just in case Poor anybody Sarah. wants to know how big of a nerd I am. <laughs> Not that I ever watched Jesus any of the Land Before Times. There's Hello. 13 of them.
0: We used to play Land Before Times, so I feel oh, you. Yeah. So, okay, yes. uh, you talked about books and that, like, being your escape as a kid. I actually had a question written down about this, so ha, I'm prepared. Um, writing for kids is so important, and we know, like, right now especially, I feel for kids, like, the the world can be a very scary place, and so books offer, like, a comforting escape because even if it's an adventure or if it's a scary book, it's, it, it's still safety in the story, Can you tell us a little bit about where your book helps children escape to, like the world of The Curious League?
1: Man, that is a good question. (laughs) Look at you, just nailing me down to the first question. So here's the thing about my book. It's insane. It's it's wacky, and it's crazy, and it's about this kid who lives in a museum and framed for uh, stealing a billion-dollar ruby, and he ends up having to join... Uh, this detective, he's like Willy Wonka, he's, he's he's absolutely certifiable, and he has to join with this detective and catch the real thief, a criminal known as the Moth, the mauve Moth, excuse me, and kids get to escape because... So that's twofold. One, I really love the old school, middle grade, uh, you know, mixed up files, or yes. um, uh, the Phantom Tollbooth, like these, these kind of zany adventure books, mm-hmm. but... I also realized that what I was a kid and kids nowadays have completely different needs. They are dealing with stuff that I couldn't ever imagine to deal with when I was a child. Uh, and one of my biggest problems with the world is our toxic masculinity and how boys are in a world right now with all the ever-changing times. And I am a firm, firm supporter of trans rights and women's rights and you know all these things. I, I'm, I'm, I'm huge huge advocate for for people being happy and uh what is to be happy is you know if you're not taking someone's happiness away then you're okay and when you start to take somebody else's happiness away then you're an enemy like then you're bad you're on the wrong side of history i think that toxic masculinity is a really big deal and i think that we while we're pushing for equality we're very much leaving young boys behind it's very much like this is what you this is what your roles were yesterday today everybody has new roles but you just need to shut up and deal with that fact and not this is how we take your role as a as a man and fit it into this new world and still you get to keep the pride of of the things that you've been taught to keep but in the same way change with the times you know and so i I talk about talking masculinity a lot uh, my books are really anti-toxic masculinity. Uh, the boy learns the 37 rules of being a good detective, and they're really the 37 rules of being a good man.
0: Oh, that's awesome! Hmm.
1: And it's not preachy because it's not like boys don't cry kind of stuff. Like it's the first rule of being a good detective is that you learn the most in an interrogation in the silence, and not when you're speaking. And the really the idea is like you have to listen to the other person. And if you listen to someone, if you don't try to figure out what you're going to say while they're talking, you will find a solution if you actually hear what what they're saying. And most of the time, these guys are like, oh, they're trying to take away my freedoms and stuff. The truth behind it is, is that they aren't listening to what the other person needs. They're just fearing that what they need is being taken from them or what they want, I should say, is taking from them. And that's just not the truth.
0: That's really neat. And you, you do it all in a way in a book to where like kids are reading this and then they're absorbing it and learning without it feeling like, like a lesson.
1: Well, and the, th- and the thing about lessons are that, you know, you can't shove anything down somebody's throat or they'll hate it. You have to kind of introduce it and then let them kind of decide on their own. And really the whole book is about this kid, John, making his choices. He makes choices and he has, he has to learn that, you know, no matter what... The people around him, his parents, his guardians, the detectives, the the you know the adults in his world can can be there, but at the end of the day, it's his choice. It's his his choice that that causes his happiness or or a misery.
2: That's a so, good lesson. This is kind of where the book is at. Yeah, it's beautiful.
1: Yeah, and also has a talking monkey, so yeah,
2: that's fun. <laughs> that is double fun. win. Yeah, I gotta say, I uh, you said he lives in a museum that feels like science nerd Eloise. Yeah. she lived in the Plaza Hotel. It was one of my favorites as a kid.
1: <laughs> so in the mix-up files of Miss Basley Frank Wheeler, the kids, they're runaways and they go live in a museum. And that has always stuck to me because I always wished I could live in a museum. And when I lived in New York City, I actually would go to the museum there, the uh, American Museum of Natural History, like probably th- three times a week, easy to draw and to hang out. I, I love museums. And uh, I was like, I would live here. I could, I, I would love to stay forever. And in the same part, I was talking to one of my friends and she was talking about how when you have kids in cities, because we, we were in, in the mountains, so like everybody knew where you were all the time. You know, they would know who your date was for prom, what color dress she was wearing and where you were eating before you even knew you liked the girl. Like it was, you know, a big thing. But in the city, I was like, kids gotta get lost. And she said, we actually have places where if we get separated, they know to go. So everybody can find their way to the Empire State Building. And if they get into a cab and say Empire State Building, they'll take them to there. So she trained her kids to go somewhere. Oh, that's cool. Where, where if they got lost, they wouldn't know where to go. So they all could meet there um, instead of them looking through the whole city of where the kid might be wandering. So I added that into my book. And that's basically what happens is the orphan, he loses his, his mom. Oh. And she tells him if we're ever separated, go to the museum. And he goes to the museum and then just never leaves because she never comes to get him basically so Aww. it's a little little tragic it's a lot about found family
0: it has to be a little tragic for it to be middle grade though right
2: like there's always yeah. that little bit of
0: yeah a
1: little bit of tragedy but mostly it's funny
2: that's actually one of those big tropes that you see all the time in children's work is where are the parents yeah there's the dead parent which seems more implicit in your case, so maybe it's something else. As a,
0: as a parent, I get that, though, because, like, even today, like with my kids coming home, my son just got his driver's license, right, and we have very strict rules. And I come home, and he was gone, and I was like, where are you? Why did you not call me? And he's like, <laughs> I texted you. I'm like, that is not a phone call. And uh, so, obviously, you cannot be having adventures if you have – the mom around. <laughs> well, and, and the, <laughs>
1: yeah. the thing is with the with the trope is that if parents, if a kid has a parent, they're not lost. If a oh. kid's not lost, they can't be found. If they can't be found, then what's the point, right? So really in this, this world of middle grade where we're teaching children to go from children to young adults, this is the formative years of them trying to figure out their independence and who they are and what they want. So that's why you don't see a lot of parents in, the, in, in middle grade books because... It's formative, yeah.
0: You know, I never thought about it that way, but that's really true.
1: And also, I really like to kill parents. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Don't trust your parents. They don't know anything. No, I'm just kidding.
0: Lots going in the uh, sound It was bite. like the, the series so of kidding. unfortunate events,
1: right? It's <laughs> yeah. I, I love how all the adults in the book are just really dumb. Like, the kids are really smart, and the adults are absolutely, like, to a point where it's infuriating <laughs> to be an adult and read it. Because they're like, there's got to be one smart adult in this whole book. And they're like, no, no. But I feel like that's how middle school kids think about
0: us. Oh, it totally <laughs> is. It completely is. A hundred percent. I have one. How do you feel about the remake? Have you watched the, not remake, the adaptation on Netflix? Yeah, with Jim Carrey. I loved
1: it. Uh, I loved it. I, it's uh, um, Neil Patrick Harris. And I loved it. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey was in the movie. Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. And, what did I say? Yeah. Jim Carrey? I personally love the movie,
1: no- too, because I think Jim Carrey <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, a lot of people would disagree with me. I really like this Netflix series, and I like that Daniel Handler wrote the whole thing. So the original writer of the books, uh, Lemony Snicket, actually wrote the the series. So he got to play with it and adapt it and change things and move things around, which is kind of a writer's dream, right? Like once the book is done, you're like, ooh, I get to rewrite it? Hooray. That's our that's all of our dreams. <laughs>
0: that's my life. Uh,
1: so I, I really liked it. And I mean, Neil Patrick Harris can do no wrong. So what do you do?
0: Did you have... Well, I know you did. What was your favorite book? as a kid growing up
1: the never-ending story really my sister so I'm dyslexic so it was really hard for me to read so I basically read what my older sister read and she used to read me the never-ending story over and over and over again Um, also the princess bride and um, Peter Pan are all like three very very um books I think I must have read a hundred times
0: I think Peter Pan was the first book that I sat down and felt like this yeah, is a real yeah. book. Like, like, all books are real books. But you know when you're a kid and you see that thick book, mm-hmm. it's like my first big kid book that I sat down yeah. and read. And I remember I read it in like a day, all day long. Yeah. it's like such a good memory.
2: I've actually never read the book. I have the uh, the 80s TV adaptation burned into the back of my brain into eternity. With Julie? Yeah. <laughs> is
1: that Mary Martin? Or, never
2: read the book. Bu- Boy, I'm yeah. not going to be able to even tell you because I was a kid and I didn't know any of the names the yet. But we watched it over and over and over on vhs recorded from tv with all the commercials yeah. <laughs> as you do when you're an 80s kid yeah like that's a true
0: experience that's I not around anymore that book, that's like right there with uh, reading rainbow right uh, like fun? that's that same time oh yeah pan, pizzas watching the commercials Kim, mm.
1: what was her name uh, i don't know there's some pretty famous uh, peter pans and they're always women and also uh, a little little peter pan trivia for you um it's tradition for the person who plays Captain Hook to play the father, darling.
0: So I remember that in Hook, but I didn't know that. That's cool.
2: Which kind of goes back to that whole idea of like, I mean, like, first of all, talk about absent parents in a children's story. Like, <laughs> leave them all behind. But also, in the stories where there are parents around, they tend to be kind of limiting, stick it style, truly rotten people who couldn't yeah. care less about the children. And so they're almost the antagonist. So you've got both sides of that in that story.
1: And there's and there's some, you know, the modern day mid-grade, like Diary of Wimpy Kid or I can't think of his name. It's like Alexander's Big, Bad, Terrible, No Good Day or whatever, like even um, Wonder. You know, the parents are really great in it. And there's there's lots of books with, with really great parents. But what's interesting with those books is that the kid is still, like, misunderstood by their parents. Like, the parents want the best for their kid. And the kid's still like, oh, my gosh, my parents just don't get me. They just don't get it. But they're all really great parents.
0: And, you know, I feel like that's truthful, though. Because I remember feeling, which, God, it was a long time ago, feeling very misunderstood by my parents. And feeling like, I will never be like yeah. that when I'm an adult. And you are. I mean, you totally are. Even if you're not. Yeah. Even if you understand all of it to yeah. the kid, well, and it's like, you like completely parents it. go
1: from being superheroes to people in your lifetime, right? So, like, you start off and you're like, parents are like the greatest thing ever. And then you turn to a teenager and you're like, oh, parents are so annoying. And then you're like, oh, parents are people. And they did the best they could when you get to an adult. And I think that's just the cycle of parenthood, you know? Then you have your own kids and they're like, you're amazing. I hate you. And you're like, one day you're going to realize I'm just a person and you're going to feel bad. But by then you'll have your own kids Great. and I will do everything I can as a grandparent to spoil the <laughs> hell out of them so that they drive you up a wall. It's you know how we get back.
0: So did you know you always wanted to write for kids?
1: Um, I don't think I ever had a choice because, uh, well, okay. So I'm a TV, I'm a TV, um, uh, TV film writer. So I do do adult stuff, but when it came to my book, I, I just didn't have a choice. Like I'm not, I like mid-grade books. I like reading mid-grade books. I like the adventure of it. I don't like reading adult books. It's too much adultness. And I live adultness, so I don't want to escape to that. <laughs> um, so I'm really into mid-grade. So I feel like in my, my humor and personality, it kind of kind of found its way there. So
0: I'll tell you, as an adult writer who also has written like new adult, trying to go – and I've written a middle-grade novel – And it is very bad. (laughs) It is very hard. It is completely different because you're in a whole different stage of life. So you have to really, really be aware of that as you create your characters. I feel like as a writer who has tried to write for children, that is probably one of the hardest experiences that I've had personally.
1: Well, I feel like the trick to writing children as an adult is that you used to be a child. And even though they are dealing with completely new things, like we didn't have cell phones, right? So we didn't have social media. Uh, my second book is about the, the danger of being popular. Because the first book, the kid solves a mystery. The second book, now he's this big detective who solved a mystery at 12. So now everybody knows his name. And suddenly it's TikTok views and not solving the case kind of thing. Um, but we didn't have that. But we, did have, we do have the, the um, same fundamental issues, right? We want to be liked. We want to figure out what we're good at we want to you know i said be like, be like be popular we want to find our group of friends we want to be accepted we want to find the things that we love to do like we're all kids are the same so if you go at your book at that attitude you can write a a pretty good solid and have a good adventure um you you can write a pretty good solid mid-grade book without having to even have children but once you write it then you have to go back through and like really you know, have a child read it and think about it and talk about it with them and what do they like and what do they don't like and what do they understand and what they don't understand. And uh,
0: Yeah, I definitely I don't think you have to have kids to write a middle grade book but I do think there's definitely a talent there and I think it, it, maybe give yourself the credit because it is definitely difficult which I know like we always put ourselves in because diff- I write thrillers I've never killed anybody that's not a thing that I do. Sure. <laughs> I've <never been> <laughs> I write about it. I could write a whole book from the point of view of a serial killer, and then I tried to write a book from the point of view of a fifth grader, and I was like, what is happening? Like, Well, what? you
1: need to write a book about a fifth grader who's a serial killer, and you'll be fine.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. Well, that, yeah, I don't, I don't have any two. children.
1: I, I don't have any kids of my own. Um, I, my wife and I, we married late, and we plan on adopting one day, but we, we're we past that age. But I have nephews. And uh, they're enough for me not to want to have children. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. They're they're brilliant. My my nephews are, are insanely brilliant. Ethan like taught himself Russian when he was four. He's like when I say brilliant, I mean he he's certified. He's in oh, the wow. like gifted and yeah, he's like a gifted and talented. He sounds like kid, a middle grade he, character. Like, knows every country in the world and he can point them out by shape. Like he's he's insanely smart. So I was like, oh, wow. hey, read my book. And he was like, this is so great. And I was like, what's your favorite part? And he's like, I really like it when the monkey poops. And I'm like, I'm so glad the kids don't change. <laughs> no, um, I'm just kidding. The monkey doesn't poop in my book. But he does. He <laughs> likes he likes the sophomoric jokes because he's a 12-year-old boy. And, you know, farting is hilarious to him. And there's a character named Mindy who's a waitress. And if you've ever been in New York City ever every person you ever meet that's that's a, a waiting staff is just like very dry and they hate their lives and they don't want to be there and that's just who you know i serve tables we all want to be there so i have mindy and she comes out she's like welcome to panace pancake parlor can i take your order like just very dry and he thinks that's the best character in the whole world like to a point where he's like is mindy gonna be in the second book i think mindy needs to be in the second book and i was like <laughs> what yeah i was like i'm sorry but my she lead characters is mindy
2: <laughs> yeah. Adventures in Mindy. That's funny.
0: My kid's favorite book when they were little was Walter the <laughs> farting dog. So, they're all for
1: Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: if like, you can fit fart yeah. jokes in there and you're if you good, can get them yeah. in the title, then you're you're solid. So, when you were growing up, was there a character that I know you list like you liked the Neverending Story. And you, this is terrible because that was my favorite movie as a kid. Oh. I did not know it was a book. I will now be reading it. I actually had a sleepover with kids that I didn't even like. Just so I could force them to watch the movie. (laughs) Like, I was that kid. I was so obnoxious. I was like, it's my birthday. You have to watch this movie with me. Um, It did not win me any friends. Did you have a character, like, that you imagined being or, like, pretended to be? That kind of – because when I was a kid, I was obsessed with A Wrinkle in Time. And I remember this was back when there were still, like, secondhand bookshops. And you would just discover a book without, like, reading about it online or whatever. And I stumbled across the book and read it and none of my friends had read it. And I didn't know that it was a wrinkle in time, that it was a big book that a lot of people knew. And I used to pretend to be like Meg Murray, like in my head all day, every day, because she wasn't, you know, like she got in fights for her her little brother and wasn't like your typical girl that you read about at that time.
1: Book wise. Oh my gosh, that's really hard. Um, I was really into the A team. When I was a child, I used to tell my mom that I was going to be either Mr. T, a Catholic priest. I grew up Catholic, or um, Gene Kelly. And then when I found out the Catholic priests couldn't get married, the Catholic priest was out. And then I just wanted to be Mr. T. Good choice. And then I found out that I can't be Mr. T because I am not African American. And I didn't want to be be a Baracus. I didn't want to like drive a van or anything. I just wanted to be Mr. T. He was just so cool.
0: Mr. T was cool. I think I wanted to be Mr. T. Like. <laughs>
1: So then uh, I went through a phase where I wanted to be Gene Kelly and tried to learn how to tap, and I'm not a good dancer. So really all of my childhood things just washed down the the drain. (laughs) I know. Look (laughs) at me.
2: And here you are today. It it worked out. EJ, did you have anybody? (sighs) I don't know that I ever really, like, wanted to be one of the characters, but definitely super enjoyed Eloise, like how much of a problem she was all of the time. That (laughs) tracks. Really related to that. Yeah, and then um, also actually, Meg Murray was one for me too. Like, I I swear to God, um, Meg Murray has ADHD. Oh, she totally like, does. don't need to do the whole thesis now. We'll do it sometime. Like but that. like, there was something deeply relatable to me about how good she was at math and how she kept getting horrible yeah. grades. I was just like, this is my life.
0: Yeah, okay. like I tested into like, like
2: she's better at math than I am, child for sure. But get
0: the third grade as I'm failing second grade. So
2: <laughs> totally yeah, relatable. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, her for sure. Went through a really hardcore boxcar children's phase. Do you guys oh. remember those? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've yeah. got the whole series
1: of yes. boxcar like, children. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah,
2: definitely. Really into the boxcar children. I liked that they just lived in the woods. Yeah. Solved mysteries, it's, you it's know.
1: A, it, the, we talked about how boxcar children is a book that probably would never be published today. That they'd be like, <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous. A bunch of kids living in a in a boxcar in the woods? That would never happen.
2: It is pretty ridiculous. <laughs> I had... Oh, man. Yeah, I
1: had an agent actually reject my book and tell me that it was unrealistic that a kid could live in a museum without adults knowing. I was like, well, obviously, she didn't read the entire book because the next chapter I introduced a talking monkey.
2: So, like you know, like <laughs> I was like, ah, I think the thing you picked is a little weird. But, but, yeah. Peaches don't fly either. So,
0: see, I think that was my Trouble trying to go from writing a thriller to writing a middle grade. Because in a thriller, it all has to make sense or else nobody will read your book. They'll be like, aha, this one sentence in chapter three, we got you, because that is not how a hospital works. But in a middle grade, if you start explaining everything, you kind of ruin the magic. You know, you kind of have to just know that if it makes sense in your world and the kids want to believe my, it then
1: my publisher know, uh, pixel link which is the amazing the most amazing publisher of all time and my i have to give a shout out to my editor uh, allison weiss who is brilliant she's just brilliant in every way i i lucked out so much i hear all these horror stories and i'm like haha i got allisons <laughs> uh but um they made me go through a pass of continuity And that people were like, like one thing, I changed the name of the American Museum of Natural History to the New York Museum of Natural History for two reasons. One, because my world is kind of kind of not really our world, but sort of our world. So I could take liberties and B, I just changed a lot of like I changed the baseball team's name, things like that because of copyright and whatever. And she was like, this is not the name of the museum. And I was like, yeah, I know. I, I I did that on purpose, but then it got down to things like there's a car chase and she's like, there's no way you could make it from 55th Avenue to grand central station in 20 minutes, (laughs) New York traffic. And I was like, it's a book. Like, but yeah, so even in mid grade, they, they really go through and make sure that you aren't.
0: Have you met the talking (laughs) monkey? "Uh, There's a
1: a monkey that talks. I just want to know. Okay. So it was really funny what they pulled out and said, okay, this is, this we need to double check this thing. And I was just, I was dumbfounded on so many things. I was just like, this is a shit like, well, who cares? You know, but it makes the book better.
0: So I, it's funny. I didn't know you grew up on a mountain with just like a few people. I moved like a lot. Like people say they moved. I moved like 12 times, 12 or 13 times from like fifth grade to my senior year. And the school that i consider home like the people that i'm still in touch with was when we moved to like this really random place in south louisiana and there was literally 12 people in my class oh, so as you're talking about this i'm like oh yeah i know that like everybody knows everybody you kind of go on dates with people and s- oh yeah switch it up yeah or whatever. this is blowing my mind so, try- <laughs> trying
1: to explain to people how they're like they're they're like how did you date
0: AJ's from they're the like city. how did you
1: date in high school and i was how like oh you? well you know I- I was with, yeah, with Brandy for a while, and then she got sick of me, and then I started dating Holly. Like, who's Holly? I'm like, oh, she's her best friend. i like, how did you date her best friend? And I was like, Who else? well, yeah, I mean, she just choice. passed me over, basically. <laughs> they were just like, okay, you're dating wow. this person now. There aren't enough of us to for it to matter. Yeah.
2: Like, we just basically doubled up based on height. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the people that I don't even there. know everyone I graduated with. Our class was 600 people. Our school was 2,500. Oh, wow. I think my <laughs> town was 2,500.
1: There weren't 600 people in my school, including the teachers and the parents no. on graduation day. Like, no, that's a, that's a big, that's big.
0: The school, this, so I moved a lot. So I went to really big schools too. But the one, like literally the one that resonated with me was the tiny one. But it has since closed mm-hmm. down. And there is a whole Facebook group about ghost hunters that go to this school. (laughs) That's so cool. And, like, look for ghosts. And I'm in there. And my friend, my best friend from high school is in there. And she trolls them so hard. Like, it is hilarious. They'll be like, what happened in here? And we're like, (laughs) (laughs)
1: like, "What?" I'll tell you what didn't happen in there.
0: Um." Learning. (laughs) <laughs> the ghosts of lessons lost. A coach, he taught chemistry, not sure he knew it.
1: You know, you get published, and the, the publisher's like, okay, let's look at your social media, and who do you know, and blah, 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 blah. And they do all, like, the whole thing, like, how many people respond to you, and whatever. And I'm like, look, Twitter, I got a thousand people who follow me, and I follow them, and nobody ever comments on my Twitter at all. Nobody cares what I have to say, that's fine. But, but, but my Facebook people comment because I'm from a small town and those guys do not mess around. Like I could be like, I don't like the color orange. And they're like, why don't you like orange? I will destroy you. Or like somebody would be like, Tom, your beard looks funny. And then like 900 comments of like, we'll tar and feather you. And I was like, those are my people. Yeah. And I told my publisher, I was like, I she's like, how many books? uh," I'm like, we're going to do our release. And she's like, great. And I was like, I'm going to sell 900 books in the first day. And she was like, oh, that's hilarious. And I was like, no, I really am going to sell 900 books the folks days because the second I posted it was actually being published and it was actually in a bookstore. Every single person in my town, whether they like me or not, were like, I am owning a copy of that book. I hate that guy, but I'm owning his book. Yeah. So I was like, hey, they're really big supporters.
0: That's really true about a small town because when my books came out, um, well, I have books that are out through a small press that are through my other name, M. Shotwell, and then I remember, like, they came out, and it was, like, in the newspaper, and then I have friends that are from, like, L.A., and they're like, how are you in the newspaper? I'm like, look,
2: (laughs) they're so excited. No one gives a shit about you in a city. You're an author, get in line. There are pluses
1: (laughs) and minuses to living in a small town. The pluses is, if you need somebody to back you up, they will. If an outsider says something, like, they can say whatever they want about you all day long, you can fight. I know families that haven't (laughs) talked in 20 years because one stole the other one's pig, but, like... If somebody outside's like, I don't know if I like this book, my editor was like, do not comment on reviews. And I was like, well, I won't, but I guarantee you (laughs) that the people of Grand (laughs) County will not stand for negative reviews.
0: My high school principal isn't going to deal with it. (laughs) Look, my sister is the librarian at the library in the city where I was born. And it's using the term city like very, I'm being very nice. Like, it's like a village. (laughs) And she sent Me, this thing today, and she was like, authors born in the month of March. And I was like, Why am I not on here? You're my sister. Like, what are you doing? And she's like, Oh, yeah, I forgot I'm on it. I was like, You have my book in your library.
1: <laughs> Wait a second,
0: put me on the poster. <laughs> and you're, my sister's the librarian. Come on now.
1: My middle sister is going to be the best book rep I've ever had. Like she's already ordered 25 copies, and I was like, "Well, stop ordering copies for people because I want them to buy it." And she's like, "No, no, no, no. This is just taste." And I was like, "You're not a drug dealer. You're." And she's like, I'm... I'm "Like, what are you gonna do? Like, send him the first chapter. Like, if you want the rest." No. But no, she's she's like my biggest supporter in the world. Like, she is just, she's just awesome. You, yeah. She. We we're talking about girls protecting their little brothers, like. You know, most guys are like, Mm -hmm. I need an older brother to protect me. I was like, I got Annie. I don't care. Nobody's going to mess with me. Like she, she protected me all the time. People are like, are you going to let your sister fight your fight for you? I was like, well, yeah, she'll win. (laughs) I won't.
0: I got kicked out of, I got kicked out of church camp when I was in fifth grade for fighting a sixth grader that made fun of my little sister. So I feel that (laughs) that's like my own brand thing from childhood. I was like, Picking and then fights. my sister well she licked the battery, which so it was really stupid. And then they made fun of her for licking a battery. Oh. and so I was like, damn it, Jill. Again? Again? <laughs> like this? This is what we're doing? Okay. And wh- and where
1: did it get you? You you protected her and then she didn't even put you in on her on her library.
0: Nope. Different oh, sister. Okay. Different sister. Right. <laughs> okay. No. No, this is my little sister that, that I that I can sick on people, but I I don't. She's good. Um <laughs> So, this has been really fun. I think it might be time, EJ, what do you think? To play Troped Out? I think it's time. It's time to play Troped Out. I don't Go think for I whole Tom about
1: this. No, but I'm excited.
0: Well, it's just small. So, <laughs> what, we're, what we're gonna do- It's all EJ, a test. I'll let you explain it. Go for it.
2: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it is not a test. Uh, the no. whole idea here is we are going to give you two tropes and you have to pick one. Don't overthink it. Go with your gut. That's all it is. Okay. All right, chosen one or band of ragamuffins going on a quest?
1: Uh, I would go with band of ragamuffins going on a quest.
2: Say it five yeah. times fast, then. Yeah, you gotta yeah. really. Sell oh it. well, Don't. I can, I can sell it
1: because my book is called Stalking. The Curious League of Detectives and Thieves, not <laughs> The Curious Detective. Andor's thief
0: oh well yeah no there
1: I go. I you know I like rag I, I always love a like the breakfast club idea of tropes like I always love yeah. a whole bunch of people mm. from completely different backgrounds that all hate each other and then they all have to samurai seven together and save the world like every single movie I'm like yeah we're getting the band back together I love it every single time my only problem with the chosen one is that every time somebody does a chosen one they they have to refer to it as a Jesus story and I'm like there's a lot of chosen ones like I love the hero's journey all my books are with the hero's journey I don't know I just think it's more fun when there's lots of characters also you when you read you know maybe the Harry isn't your favorite character maybe Neville is your favorite character but we don't get any Neville because he's not the chosen one
0: you know and I think that ragamuffin band of characters like it really doesn't even matter what your genre is like that's a fun that's a fun thing like it can be Fantasy. It can be like a heist story, romance. I don't know how it would translate to romance, but I'm sure it has.
2: No, you've just got me thinking about that. What were we just talking about in our last episode? The uh, the harem. That's your ragamuffin. That's
0: your ragamuffin <laughs> reverse harem.
2: Reverse harem. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously.
0: <laughs> no, that was a trope. We had Alexandria Bell on here last, and uh, so her troped out questions were a little bit different than yours. And that was that was one of them.
2: I do think that ragamuffins are especially good with a, a group of kids, though. Like I always go straight to like Stranger Things, which I know it's an adult show. It's not yeah, but, that's, grade.
1: but that's our generation, right? We're like 80s kids. so We had like the Goonies, right? The Breakfast Club, yeah. like even the, the Wolverines on uh, the Red Red Dawn and things like it. just to throw out some obscure '80 movie 80s movies, um, like Iron Eagle. Like it was always a group of kids that got together to save the day. And that's sort of where Stranger Things takes that trope. So I think it's kind of a generational thing, too, you
0: know? I love the word ragamuffin, too. Like, you can work <laughs> ragamuffin into something. It's just one of those words. So I'm going to ask you, okay, morally gray villain or hidden heroes? And hidden heroes, think like Wesley on The Princess Bride before he's, before she knows he's Wesley. Oh. Or hidden well, hero. Well, that's a really
1: tough one because, once again, Curious League of Detectives and Thieves. I I like the hidden hero, but I think the morally gray Villain is where I will go. This idea that someone isn't all bad, and that they they kind of have to change to become good through the his the thing. Like the best one uh, example I can give is uh, Avatar: The Last Airbender. If you guys saw it, Zuko is such a great villain who isn't really a villain, but he's pressed into villain, and then he becomes a good guy when he gets the choice to do so. It's such a beautiful anti-toxic masculinity thing. He's a great character, and he's super strong, and he's you know really attractive, and he has all the all the qualities of, of masculinity, but it's none of the toxic side of it because he breaks the toxic and becomes the hero. So I, I like that a lot. Uh,
2: okay, rags to riches or poor little rich kid.
1: Um, rags to riches.
0: That's fun. That's fun in middle grade yeah. too. Do you remember that movie, uh, Blank oh, Check? Oh yeah,
1: that's you know the guy the the guy who. <laughs> Save the Cat, right? (laughs) Yeah, Blake Snyder. He wrote Save the Cat. And he wrote Blake Check, yeah. This idea of, like, everybody can become rich or become famous or whatever. It doesn't matter where you came from. I I, I really love that. I I don't like to have this, like... I I love this idea that anybody can become the next Elon Musk, right? Like, um, whether it's true or not, whether there's an advantage of being born rich or not, that's beyond that. What I'm just saying is that anyone can... I love the idea that anyone can become whatever they want to become and they can find their true happiness
2: the possibilities yeah. are there I, I like the rags to riches too because i think that it's very interesting to watch different characters and what they will do if they suddenly have that kind of money
0: yeah that could be a
2: hero's journey or a villain's. Suddenly, yeah, villain like suddenly yeah suddenly no limits yeah. what you gonna do
0: right, mm-hmm. right. i don't remember what i was gonna say now so um uh, hate joss whedon love neil patrick harris uh, we were talking about morally yeah. gray villains or Dr. hidden heroes. Horrible. So did you watch? Yes.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: that is our family. Sing along. the actually, car. like everybody has. their. I car. actually worked. <laughs> I'm the only girl. So I get
1: all the good stuff. Oh, my God. All the, I, uh, stuff. Yeah. I worked, um, for Marvel's agents of shield. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, it was written by, uh, Marissa. We've <gasps> really been
2: talking about that. And,
1: uh, and Jed Whedon and. uh, <laughs> they wrote um a lot of um dr horrible and they, we always teased on set they're always like we're gonna do dr horrible too we gotta do dr horrible too and i'm like you guys need to do dr. dr horrible too mm. where have you been yeah, i'm like it wh- so it's good. so
0: good yeah. it is so good so i think we only have probably time for one more trope out, and then we will wrap things up so i am gonna ask you you know what? I feel like I have to ask this one because we asked everybody this one. Yes. Um, you're going to be like, what? Secret baby or secret celebrity? And these are romance Oh, styles. you
1: mean like like uh, secret celebrity <laughs> no, like, in Hannah middle Mid- grade. like Hannah Montana? <laughs> you are wait, the wait, 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 baby no, yeah, secret baby in middle Wait, secret celebrities like Hannah Montana, right? Like They don't know she's a celebrity and she's the person? Or like Hong Kong Phooey or Inspector Gadget, those kind of things?
0: I mean... I guess in your world, yeah. In, in the romance, it's like you're dating somebody and they're secretly a celebrity. Like they've oh. come back to their small oh, yeah. town. Oh, yeah. I didn't yeah. realize
1: that you were the queen yeah. of, of TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or or secret, ba- uh, exactly secret baby. Exactly. You mean like you had a baby. We
0: were high school lovers. And I didn't tell you that you had a baby. No, back. it's
1: got to be secret celebrity because as a man, I would be so horrified to know that I knocked up my high school girlfriend and she didn't tell me that she had our baby and I missed all those years and all that time I would just be crushed not to be like you didn't even give me the chance to be be there you know and like it's kind
0: of good to get that and if I'm I'm gonna be
1: a villain then like you know if you're gonna be like I had your baby and I'm like ha, I don't care I'm leaving then you know let me make the choice to be the villain you know (laughs) like you're taking away my my choices here to be a good guy or a bad guy and your origin story
0: We always have to ask that one, and not a single person has said Mm -hmm. Secret Baby yet, except Mia P. Manansala, who wrote, um, she writes Cozy Mysteries. She pointed out that in the mystery world, Secret Baby is completely different. It is a completely different trope than romance. A lot of times, Secret Baby ends up being
1: the killer. Arsenic
2: and Adobo.
0: Yes. Arsenic and Adobo is what she wrote. In Homicide and Hollow Hollow. She, yeah, yeah in, in
1: murder mysteries, the secret baby ends up being the secret killer. You're like, I was the child the whole <laughs> yes. time and you didn't know it. And I'm like, oh no, that's <laughs> why my DNA was there.
2: I would yeah. watch that. Not gonna lie.
1: Secret yeah, boss, I'd be baby.
2: Into it. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Tom. Do you want to remind us one more time about your book and where people can find you sure. online?
1: Um okay, so my book is called The Curious League of Detectives and Thieves. You can get it anywhere. Just type in curious league of detectives and thieves into google uh the first book is called egypt's fire it comes out june 7th uh, you can find me on twitter at tommypx3 because i'm actually tommy the third and you can find me on instagram as tommypx3 you can find me at TikTok tock on at, uh, at curious league although i don't make any videos so that would be pointless and my facebook is tommyp1980 i think so I'm, I'm really talkative uh, on Twitter. So if you're a book person and you have any questions, you can DM me at any time. If you have any query uh, issues, like you want your query letter to be looked at, hit me up because I like to help people.
0: Tell us your website, too, because I didn't even get into this. But Tom is also an illustrator and he has got some really great, really great examples on his website. Uh, my
1: website is TomPhillipsWriter.com.
0: Well, thank you so much
2: for joining thanks, us today. I really enjoyed this. And thanks to our listeners also. If you enjoyed this episode, check out our previous episodes, subscribe to stay up to date, and leave a review so that other listeners can find us too. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at Typo Podcasts. And you can find Tom's books and all of our other amusing guests in the Troped Out Bookshop. <laughs>